0: Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It's on page 1156. If you're using one of those Pew Bibles, page 1156, 1156. In case you're a little bit unfamiliar with where Ephesians is, that's the page it's on. Ephesians 1 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come to us now and that you would feed this humble flock. We are your sheep. You've called me to shepherd this flock, but God, I'm just a sheep. So I need you to feed me. I need you to feed this whole congregation from your word. Lord, we thank you for that, that picture of, of the Apostle John as he reclined against your chest when you were sitting around the table. Lord, we would come now just to recline against Christ, to have him comfort us, to have him teach us, to feed us. We would just spend some time with you here, Lord. And so I pray that whatever burdens, concerns, angst, issues we've brought here, Lord, that we might just lay them down and lay against your chest and listen to you as you speak to us. Christ, meet with us now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we are in the book of Ephesians. Uh, Those of you who are here with us for the first time, we just started a new sermon series last Sunday. And uh, if you didn't get one of these green bookmarks, this is the sermon calendar. Uh, There are some out in the foyer. You can get them after the service. Uh, And this tells you what passages in Ephesians we're going to be studying and when. And we'll be in Ephesians, as I said, through December of 2003. So we're going to be in it for a good stretch. We're just going to bake and marinate in this book. Um, I also issued a challenge last week that that I challenged the whole congregation to read through Ephesians once a week. I wondered, did anyone read through it this week? How was that? All right, there's some. That's honest, thank you. Uh, But I'm glad you guys did. It's great. Just sit down, and it'll take you 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Read through the book once a week. You'll be amazed at how much you get blessed every time you read it. And, uh, and then here's the other thing I, I challenged people, was uh, to memorize the book of Ephesians within the next year and three months. And then if anyone can memorize it, I'll give you a steak and lobster dinner. Uh, my treat. Um, is anyone going to take up the challenge to memorize it? You know, maybe. Got, oh, okay. I'm just calculating the uh, the cost here. Okay, so... It's about 20 bucks a head, woo, so, all right. (laughs) There's going to be some attrition. There's got to be some attrition. (laughs) Great. Well, here we go in the book of Ephesians, and we come to a very important verse. Today I just want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Just one verse. Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Paul begins the book of Ephesians with a great note of praise and triumph. He's actually using an ancient Jewish blessing formula, one that you find in the Old Testament and in Jewish literature. In fact, if you take out your sermon notes for a minute, this little white piece of paper, we've got yellow surveys and green bookmarks and white pieces of paper. And here's the white insert in your bulletin. And look at the top. This is actually the Jewish uh, berakah blessing. Berakah means blessing. It's a blessing formula. And you find this formula throughout the Old Testament. It was just a way that, that the people of Israel praised God. It was a, a form they used. So, for instance, in 1 Kings 8.15, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. Or Psalm 72.18, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Or Luke one sixty eight, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. So you have this form, it's, and it's used in the intertestamental Jewish literature. It's it's found in the um, the rabbinic literature. It's, it's a very Jewish way of praising God. And you'll notice that there's two parts of a barakah. There's, first of all, the praise to God. So there's the call to praise God. There, there's the actual praise that goes up. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. And then you get the reason for praising God, which is often in a who statement. Who is? With his own hand, fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. So Solomon's praising God because the promises to David came true. Or Psalm seventy two eighteen, Praise be to the Lord the God of Israel. Why? Who alone has done marvelous deeds. So it is the marvelous deeds of God that brings forth the praise. So in a barakah, you have two things. You have the praise, and then you have the reason for the praise. So if you look back at Ephesians 1, 3, you'll see that Paul is using a Jewish uh, barakah form in his praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he changed there, didn't you? Instead of the God of Israel, it's now the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the New Testament understanding, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises to Israel. So all the promises to Israel, all the institutions of Israel, all the prophecies for Israel, all the, the hopes of Israel have come to fruition in Jesus Christ. So so Paul can substitute Jesus there. Uh, he's the Messiah. So it's, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul begins the book of Ephesians with a big note of praise. Uh, This book doesn't begin with a quiet little whisper. I mean, it it begins with an explosion. It it begins with that song we we just sang, you know, I'm trading my sorrows, you know, that high tempo. I mean, that's the the energy that that is coming out of this passage. Praise be to God. Look what he has done. Uh, It begins with a huge explosion. You know what I thought of when I was reading this verse was... uh, this this year during the Super Bowl when the Patriots were playing and and there it is the final minutes and um, quarterback drives down gets within field goal distance sort of and uh, Vinatieri comes out and kicks that 48 yarder you know right down the line and it goes through the uprights and and I jumped out of my chair you know and I don't even watch football I so <laughs> I was like whoa you know and, and I was thinking at that moment I was like I wonder how many millions of people simultaneously across New England we're leaping out of their chairs, you know. It was like a big, you know, uh, a coordinated number. Everyone's jumping up, woo-hoo! And, and that's the picture I have of Paul. He's beginning the book of Ephesians, not just like in some somber, stately way, but he's jumping out of his lazy boy. He's dancing around, you know. He's high Praise be to God. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't believe it. Okay, why? What has got you so fired up, Paul? Why are you jumping out of your seat? Why are you praising God like this? who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The reason he's praising God is because God has absolutely buried Christians in blessings. The Christian life is the happiest, most blessed, most joyful life there is. In fact, I would say that apart from the Christian life, there is no life. Jesus is life, and if you don't have Jesus, you can't have life. Life without Christ is an undead existence. We are the walking dead without Christ, spiritually dead. Only in Christ is there life. And so to come to Christ, to become a Christian, is to enter in to the most blessed, the most happy, the most wonderful, awesome life that a human being can experience. There is only life in Christ. And Paul sees that. He says, God has blessed us with every blessing. So praise be to God. Maybe some of you are saying, okay, wait a minute. Time out on the field. You know, what do you mean the Christian life is the most blessed life possible? I know some pretty miserable Christians. (laughs) I know some Christians who are really miserable, grumpy, cranky people. And they have a lot of cranky, grumpy things to complain about because they've had some hard knocks in life. Or maybe that's where you're at. You're saying, like, oh, this isn't how I experience the Christian life, being blessed with every spiritual blessing. I mean, I, you know, um, whether it's financial troubles or relational troubles or health issues. It's like, I've got some tough stuff I'm dealing with. So, so what do you mean the Christian life is the most happy, joyful, wonderful life? You know, that sounds sort of Pollyanna. Uh, this is not the, the life that I'm experiencing as a Christian. So somehow there's a disconnect between the struggles we face in this life and what Paul seems to be ranting and raving about in verse 3. Praise, you know, He's in a state of ecstasy and we're like, Paul, you know, get your feet back on the ground here. This is not where, where the rest of us are living sometimes. So how is it? What blessings is Paul talking about? Well, look at your sermon notes again on the back. I I did a, a diagram of the sentence structure. This is getting into some really geeky Bible scholar stuff here. but uh, So I'm going to inflict you with it. Looking at the syntactical relationships of the different parts of the sentence, you have and this is a, this, I, I did a fairly literal translation from Greek just so you can see how the sentence kind of hangs together, how the bones all fit together. You have, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And B is in parentheses because there's no verb actually in the Greek. It's, it's an understood verb. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the main verb sentence. Who has blessed us? There's a relative clause modifying God. And then how has he blessed us? And then what you have in Greek is three prepositional phrases all beginning with in or N in every spiritual blessing, in the heavenlies, in Christ. So the blessings that God gives us are modified by these three ideas. They are every spiritual blessing, they are in the heavenly realms, and they're in Christ. And so what I'd like to do with you is think about the blessings we have in Christ in terms of being every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms and in Christ. First of all, it's every spiritual blessing. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. These are spiritual blessings God has given us. And you're like, well, you know, what does that mean? That's, you know, and I put that in my pocket. You know, what's a spiritual blessing? What kinds of things are you talking about? Well, when Paul talks about a spiritual blessing, he's not talking about spiritual as opposed to physical. He doesn't have that kind of a Greek dichotomy between the material and the, the spiritual. When Paul uses the word spiritual, Uh, in terms of a spiritual person or spiritual wisdom, he's talking about anything that has to do with our salvation in Christ, that God has reconnected us to himself through Jesus Christ, and in that comes the spiritual blessings. The spiritual blessings are everything that has to do with life in Christ, everything that has to do with our salvation. And and so it's not that it's invisible or immaterial, it's just that it comes from the Spirit and comes from God. Let me put a little meat on this. If you look at verses 4 to 14 that we read at the beginning of the service, that's all the blessings that he's talking about. He's not just going to say the spiritual blessings and leave us to kind of say, okay, that sounds great. But he goes on to enumerate all of the blessings in verses 4 to 14. In fact, you don't get this in English, but in Greek, verses 3 to 14 is just one sentence. <laughs> it's the ugliest darn sentence I've ever seen. I, it's very irritating to translate. It, it just makes me like Paul. You know, what are you thinking? But he just he just kind of got into a lather, and, and he just he just kept going on and on. And, and instead of finishing his sentence and starting a new one, he you know he adds on a prepositional phrase, then a relative clause, and it just keeps. It's the ugliest sentence I ever saw. In fact, if you look at the front of your sermon notes, I thought this quote was hilarious. From E. Norden, a a Greek scholar, he says Ephesians one three to fourteen is quote the most monstrous sentence conglomeration I have ever seen in the Greek language. So, there you go. <clears throat> that's the Apostle Paul. He's just kind of, you know, he, his Greek is very irritating. He used it the way he wanted to use it. So, so, here you have him just going on and on about the spiritual blessings in Christ. So, that's what we have in verses 4 to 14. And, in fact, that's what we're going to do the next several Sundays, is just go through those blessings and try to figure out what they are. But the point is, they are the spiritual blessings. And you can't hold a candle to the spiritual blessings. You know the earthly blessings are nothing compared to the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. You know what is winning the lottery compared to verses uh, verse thirteen to fourteen? Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You know what would you rather have? You know, hit the lottery or, or an inheritance with God forever? There's no comparison. Or we go through struggles in this life. We say, you know, I have so many problems, problems with my family. My parents and I are just, we cannot agree on things. There's conflict, there's tension with my parents. Uh, I had a terrible upbringing, and it still haunts me into my adult years. You know, where are the blessings? And the blessings are in verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons. So yeah, we struggle with our family. We struggle with our parents. But the spiritual blessing is God's adopted me, and I'm the child of God. And so it's those kinds of blessings that supersede the struggles that we have in this life. The spiritual blessings are more eternal. They're more lasting. And so they are the spiritual blessings of salvation. That's what Paul's talking about. Or number two, not only are they the spiritual blessings, they're blessings, where? In the heavenlies or in the heavenly realms. Maybe you're going, oh, great, you know. Another one of these wonderful blessings I can't put in my pocket. It's in the heavenly realms, you know, pie in the sky. Uh, Oh, great, when I die, I'll get those blessings when I go to heaven. But, you know, what about now? You know, now's when I need a job. Now's when I need so-and-so to be dealt with in my life is very irritating. Or or now's when I need healing from this uh, ailment. Uh, Not way off when I get to heaven. Well, again, I think we have to understand what Paul means by the heavenly realms. Uh, When Paul's talking about heaven, he's not talking about some far-off, pie-in-the-sky sort of place. He's using the Old Testament understanding of heaven. Uh, in, the o- in the Old Testament, of course, there's earth and there's heaven, and that comprises the universe. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you see that phrase all over the Old Testament, heavens and earth. So, so there's this world in which we walk and live and plow our fields and go to work and commute and go to school. This is the earth. And then there's that realm up there that we can't get to. It's heavens. You know, it's the moon and the sun and the stars. And it's also the realm where God lives. It's the realm of angels. It's the realm of God's throne and God's authority. So, so for uh, Paul, there's this heavenly realm, and that's where our blessings are. So that heavenly realm is not some far-off distant place, but it's a realm that, that interacts with us all the time. Maybe today we call it another dimension. It, it's kind of like it's all around us, but we can't see it. That there's a spiritual world here around us a world that if we were to be able to see it, we'd be like, wow, we wouldn't believe it's all around us. It's all around us. There's a spiritual dimension, and I think people are waking up to that today. Unfortunately, too many Americans are dipping into that spiritual dimension the wrong way, through the occult, through uh, New Age teachings, and so they're coming into the spiritual dimension, but they're coming into the wrong side of it. But there is a spiritual dimension all around us, and not only is it here right now, but it's also interacting with us, and I would even argue affecting us and in, in, in making things happen in this realm. The, the heavenly realm, in a sense, rules over the earthly realm, in Paul's thinking. So you have Christ. He ascends to the Father's right hand, where? In the heavenly realms, because the heavenly realms rule over the earthly realms. But not only is God and Christ in the heavenly realms, there's also forces of evil in the heavenly realms, and those have an influence upon this earthly existence. A look at verse uh, chapter 6 of, of Ephesians. Flip over there. This is all kind of out there, isn't it? But this is what you get in Ephesians. You get a little look behind the scenes. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle, Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The, the war we fight as Christians is not against your next-door neighbor or, or against the person down the street, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly realms. So, notice the titles that are given. And here he's talking about demons and, and, and the spiritual forces of evil, Satan himself. But, but notice the titles. They are powers, rulers, authorities, forces, so that whatever this is in the spiritual realm has some kind of authority and power over our earthly existence. So before we come to Christ, we are underneath, as it says in chapter 2, look at chapter 2, I'm having to jump all over here, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So when I was just doing the world's thing and going along with the culture, I didn't realize it, but there were spiritual forces of evil. The, The ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan himself, was influencing me and directing me and affecting me, though I didn't even realize it because there is that spiritual realm that affects us. And then when I come to Christ, I enter into the heavenly realm of Christ and underneath his authority. So all that to say is that the blessings we have in Christ are in the realm that really matters. They're in the realm of authority and power, that, that, yeah, I may be having trouble with my parents, but God has adopted me in the heavenly realm, and I am His Son. And nothing can change that, because it's fixed in that realm of power and authority. These blessings cannot be taken away from me. They're in the heavenlies. And then the final blessing, and the final prepositional phrase, not only are the blessings God gives us the blessings of salvation not only are they affixed in the heavenly realms, that realm that really matters, but number three, they are blessings in Christ. And this is so important. This is such a, this is like a signature Pauline expression. In Christ. In the Lord. In the Lord Jesus Christ. The blessings we have come in and through Christ. You cannot experience any of the blessings God has apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in the passage again. Verse four. For he chose us, in Him. Verse 5. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Verse 11. In Him we are also chosen. And you get this over and over that it's through Christ that the blessings come. But once upon a time, there was a, a famous art collector. He was a rich old man and he, he had a, an incredible art collection, and it was the envy of all the, the country. He had a, a collection that rivaled the museums and people always wanted to see his art and he would sometimes show it and sometimes wouldn't. The only thing that he loved more than his art collection was his son. He had a young son that he loved very much, but unfortunately tragedy struck the home. The son went off to war and died and uh, the man was just heartbroken that his son had died and, and he you know, sort of went into a life of a recluse, didn't show his art anymore, dropped out of society and then eventually he died and people wondered what would come of his art collection. And news spread throughout the land that in his will he said that his art must be auctioned off. And so people, oh, wow! Finally, we get our hands on the, the art collection. And so they all came, and, and all the people filled up the the auction hall. And and they started with the first piece of art to be auctioned off. And it was this little painting of a young man. It's very amateur painting. In fact, everyone, you know, in the the art hall is kind of going, you know, like, hmm, how did this you know, one get in the auction because it was obviously very amateur level it was poorly done it was not by any great master and so the auctioneer says okay who will take this painting anyone can I have five dollars you know finally some guy wanting to get the auction going says five dollars I'll take it anyone do I hear six do I hear six no okay five five going once five going twice sold okay and then he slammed down his gavel and he said now the auction is closed You know, everyone's like what the auction's closed I I can't believe it And he said, yes, well, let me explain. This picture is the picture of the man's son that the man painted himself, his beloved son. He painted himself. He was an amateur painter, obviously. And he said in his will that whoever would buy the picture of his son would get all the rest of the art collection. And the place was like, oh, that's how it is in Christ. If you will take the humble Christ, if you will receive the humble Lord Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger, who died a shameful death upon the cross, who was despised by the world, if you will take Him, you get everything. And if you will reject Christ, you will get nothing. Christ is the one in whom all of the blessings come. If He has, not given, if he has given us His own Son, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us, what does Romans say, all things. If you have Christ, you have everything. And if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. Nothing. You are just broke. And so we come to Christ. And in him are these spiritual blessings. And now that's why I think the Apostle Paul, in chains, he's got chains on. He's he's under lock and guard. He's in prison for two years, waiting to go on trial before Caesar. And he's writing this letter. And this guy in prison, separated from his loved ones, with chains on him, can say, praise be to the Lord. You know, that's why he's jumping up and down. It's like, Paul, you're in prison. (laughs) What are you thinking? How can you be so happy and excited? He's saying, because I'm in Christ. You don't get it. I have everything. These Roman guards, they're the ones I feel bad for because they're worshiping false gods. They don't know Christ. If you have Christ, you have everything. And so it makes Paul jump out of his seat, out of his lazy boy, throws his Coke and his chips in the air, He screams, praise be to the God, our Father, God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. If you have the Son, you have everything in him. The question I leave myself with and I leave you with is, is this how you perceive the Christian life? I have to be honest, that's not how I often perceive it. I say most of the time I don't perceive it that way. I I, I think of it in different terms. I, I don't meditate upon the great blessings I have in Christ. I I feel like I haven't even really begun to understand them sometimes, even after I felt like I've understood them because they're so great and they're so awesome. I think sometimes we think that if we were to get serious about our relationship with Christ, that instead of being blessed, we would be deprived. You know, we have this picture that the person who's serious about Jesus is kind of like a monk in a monastery. Like, if you're going to get serious, what you've got to do is move to a monastery and, you know, put on an old, moldy, musty robe and, you know, shave, shave your head and, and um, you know, let your skin get all pale from lack of sunlight and just sort of, <coughs> you know, stagger around the monastery by yourself and stay up late chanting and praying and deprive yourself of everything, you know, no more good food, no more singing, no more joy, no more anything, no more sleep, just staying up, you know. And if I'm going to be serious about Jesus, I'm going to sort of lock myself in a cave and the world's going to go on and I'm going to waste away in obscurity. And we, you know, I mean obviously I don't think that literally but there's that sense that yeah and so I'm going to keep one foot in the world where the action is and I'll, maybe I'll dabble a little another foot in Christ but, but Paul's picture of it is so different he's saying no no it's just the opposite if you don't have Christ you're an undead creature you're walking around this world walking physically but spiritually dead you don't even know what the blessings are and so come to Christ and so this is my best sales pitch to those of you who are considering Christianity here it is Become a Christian because life without Jesus is miserable. Come to Jesus because you have no idea what life is. Come to Jesus because you ain't seen nothing yet. You're eating mud pies and there's a banquet, you know, and it's in Christ. And it, it's a banquet that, that you feast upon. Paradoxically, sometimes when the things get worse in your life, the banquet gets richer. Come to Christ. The Christian life is the life of blessing, joy, joy. In riches. It is the whole art collection, the kitten caboodle, all in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. But I think it's also a message to us Christians, especially a message to me, that um, I need to perceive the Christian life this way. Too often I don't. I don't look at the Christian life as a, a heaping dollop of blessings on my plate followed by another heaping dollop of blessings. I, uh, and it's interesting. Look what the Apostle Paul does in Ephesians 1. He, he does a prayer after this long horrible sentence. And in verse 17, look at his prayer. He says, I keep asking that the God and Father of our, or the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you all the blessings. No, you have them. May give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's prayer is that the Ephesians would just get it. He's not praying that they'll get the blessings. He's like, you got the blessings. They're all yours. You're buried in the blessings that God has. It's just a matter of changing my mindset to to understand what God has given me. Because so often I, I put on the glasses of my earthly experience and the sufferings I'm in, and that's how I view the world. That's even how I view God. But God is calling us instead to put on the the glasses of heaven and to view life through the heavenly lenses, to to see who I am in Christ. See, what we're talking about here is not some far-off, pie-in-the-sky, ethereal kind of blessing. I mean, this is down-to-earth stuff. That if I begin to see myself and I begin to understand life through this lens, it will affect the way I relate to my money and the way I relate to my co-workers and the way I relate to my children and the way I relate to my singleness, and the way I relate to whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, this will all be the interpretive lens through which you approach life. It's very practical. It's very down to earth. And I believe that, that if we were to really let this soak in, it would radically transform our experience of the Christian life. Not that we'd get some second blessing, but that we would just live in the blessings that we already have. We'd live them out and walk them out. One final story. Uh, I heard the story of, and this is actually a true story, from what I understand. It's the story of the, uh, let me get this right, Anaconda Mining Company in Bannock, Ma- uh, Montana. Apparently, during the gold rush days, this mining company was started, and a couple of prospectors went out, a team of prospectors looking for gold, and just had a terrible experience. Several of the guys died on the trip. They were uh, waylaid by Indians who stole their horses. And they kind of were staggering back to Bannock, Montana, you know, just a ruined adventure. And as they're staggering back, they stop by a stream, and one guy sort of idly picks up a rock and, you know, does whatever they do and opens it up. And goes, huh, I think there's gold in here. And so they, he said, well, I don't know. They started panning the river, and sure enough, they found gold all over the place. In fact, they found in their little expedition there $50 worth of gold, which in those days was a a fortune. Wow, look, I can't believe this. They said, all right, we're going to go back to town quietly get supplies we're going to load up and we're just going to come back and don't say a word you're going to say a word no no, no. so they all you know, swore themselves to secrecy and they, they snuck into town and very quietly got their supplies and then started heading out of town and as the story goes I'll just read it to you it says quietly they equipped themselves with supplies for another prospecting trip but when they were ready to go back 300 men followed them <laughs> who had told them no one the writer of the book accounted this for the incident. Their beaming faces betrayed the secret. <laughs> Man, that's that that's my vision for evangelism. That we would just find such gold in Christ, such joy in Christ, that we would just you know quietly do our thing, and people would just see, you know, there's something we have, and, and that we would live in these blessings and experiencing, that our faces would just beam and. And people just follow us, you know. What is up with that, that lady? What's up with that guy? And that through that, we would have open doors everywhere to proclaim the blessings of Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I pray, open up my eyes. As Seth was talking about in the beginning, I'm just so blind to the blessings you've given me. I am so quick to interpret my life experiences through the categories this world has given me. Lord, help me to put on those heavenly glasses. Lord, give me that eye surgery that I might be able to see the blessings that I have in Christ. And I pray for our whole congregation that we would know and experience the blessings you have already given us, that we might just marinate in the good things that you've given us in Christ, and that it might so transform our individual lives, and it might so transform our families, that it might so transform our church that we would just go out into the world beaming and people would follow us because they want to know what we have that you would open up doors not because we can do anything but because your holy spirit can change us lord even as moses had that shining face give us a shining face in the holy spirit that people would see and would know that we are a people who's been with god i pray this in his name